Welcome back to My Feminine Heart. I am here with Bree Sullivan, who has an incredible journey that she would love to share with us. And one of the reasons that I wanted to meet with Bree is I got to photograph her a few years ago for the first time and just knew that she had this incredible light and story inside of her, but also very excited because she is one of the many people um, whose hands and minds and hearts are all behind first event. So Bree, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs> uh, well, Bree, uh, so we are here in Woburn, Woburn, yeah. Woburn, yeah. Massachusetts. Yeah. And you said that you grew up not too far from here, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. In fact, it's, uh, it's right up this highway out here um, in Lawrence. In Lawrence. So what's Lawrence, Massachusetts like? So it's a it's a uh, it's an old mill town. Actually, it uh, rose to fame in the um, in the early 1900s. Um, and they um, basically what they did is they imported the cotton from the south, and they made uh, of, of all things up here worsted wool. Um, and um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Bread and Roses labor strike, um, but that was from the, the Lawrence Mills, Lawrence and Lowell Mills um, years ago. And so many of those labor laws are, are still on the books today. That's amazing. Yeah. So it's yeah. kind of a blue collar mill town. Very much so. Yeah. Um, and uh, so was your family involved in the textile industry? So interestingly enough, my, my, um, my mother's mother and father were mill workers. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yep. They worked in those mills. Okay. And what about your parents? What did they do? So my mother was a uh, math high school teacher. Mm -hmm. um, and then in the end of her career, the last 10 years or so, she was a vice principal in charge of discipline, which she got um, thanks to me. She used me as a reference. It was, <laughs> it was difficult. Um, and my father worked for the, as they called it back then, the telephone company. Mm -hmm. um, and he installed equipment in the, in the offices so we could make phone calls. So. so what was life like growing up the child of a teacher and a telephone worker? What were their dreams for you? So their, their dreams for me were not to go the way they went. Really? So for, for the most part, I mean, my mother was college educated. My father was not. And um, um, everything that I did hinged upon me doing well in school. Yeah. So, so I could do whatever I wanted as long as I did well in school. <laughs> and, and, uh, and so they made it very clear to me that education is of paramount importance in yeah. our household and in my life. So were you always a, a bookworm? Were you great in school growing up or? So I, I did well, but um, my attention wasn't on school usually. I was into my projects and you know, even at a young age, I would use construction paper. So uh, it, it took a lot to keep my attention. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, today you, you work in an engineering firm. I do. You're a builder, you're an architect, a dreamer. Uh, I imagine that growing up, that that was probably a part of the hobbies that you had. It was, it was, um, you know, starting in the early days of, of uh, you know, building forts and building, you know, stuff like that, you know, kind of translated into this. Um, and then, of course, um, I was into computers a lot mm -hmm. um, and people were shocked when they found out I didn't go into computers. But I mean, we all use computers now, so I kind of am in computers. Yeah, um, sadly, I am the tech support for yeah. my entire family. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, me too. Yeah. So, um, um, but generally, I, I like to build stuff. I like to fill, fix stuff and like to design stuff. So I'm, I'm a design professional. 
Yeah. So, and I know like your hobbies, you've built some pretty amazing things. You've built a motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah. Built a motorcycle, a boat, a couple cars in my life. Um, so rebuilt for that matter. Um, I just get a lot of joy out of that. Yeah. That's amazing. And it's in the journey too. It's not, it's not the, as I found out, it's not the destination. It's the journey. It's doing it. It's not enjoying it as much. Is it a little heartbreaking when the project's finished? Well, yeah, I mean, and it was never more clear than the two-year boat project that I had. And, you know, boats are a good way to, you know, throw money away. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I, and of course, I, I lived um, after Lawrence, we moved to um, a coastal location. So I lived on the ocean. So, um, yeah, so when I was driving it around, it was a motorboat. When I was driving it around, I'm kind of like, this is boring. <laughs> you know, I'd spent two yeah. years to get this thing in the water. And I and and I was like, I, I don't want to be doing this. So yeah. I feel like that's a metaphor for life. We spend so yeah. much time along the journey. We're so focused on the destination. Then you look back and you're like, the journey was the best. Yeah, part. that's the best yeah. part. It is. It really is. And, it, and that's true about being trans, I think, too. Yeah. You know? So you have transitioned. Mm -hmm. You um, have a successful career, mm -hmm. a beautiful family. Uh, how early in your life did you realize that transitioning might be a, a path for you? So really, it was fairly recently because, mm -hmm. you know, I kept maintaining, I was in a, um, and I still am in a very um, supportive uh, marriage. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm fortunate enough that she's still around. She puts up with me. Um, <clears throat> so really it was kind of like you know and and so my my best friend likes to describe it this way she kept moving the bar on me you know mm -hmm. like so i i would you know be she'd be okay with something and then you know i'd push it a little bit more and she'd be okay with that and then i you know and then you know but i kept reassuring her you know i don't want to transition i don't you know i'm, I'm fine with this you know i'm by gender i'm you know and and i honestly believed these these things that i was saying i truly thought that that was the case mm -hmm. until it wasn't and, uh, and I realized that I needed more. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, do you mind that we share that you're celebrating a pretty special birthday? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you are turning 50. I am yeah. on Sunday. That's amazing. Happy birthday. Thank you. And uh, so you're saying that this part of your life when you started exploring Brie mm -hmm. was maybe 10 years ago, maybe your early 40s? Yeah, early 40s. I really started to... to to really start investigating this. And, and so how that relates to my current relationship is I, I like to say that, you know, so I was a serial dater. I, I, I used to think that a relationship was what I needed to fill the void that was inside. I had this big void, you know, you know, being lonely or whatever it was, I couldn't figure it out. I just figured if I found, um, like I've heard before, found the right woman that, that it would be, that, you that would, that you would, would do it. You would fix the problem. I would fix the problem of, of the emptiness I felt inside, yeah. you know? And um, and so the wife that you have now, yeah. um, who experiences transition with you, she's your second wife. She is. She is. Yeah. And you have a daughter from a previous marriage. I do. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so, um, so I was correct about that, but only partially correct about filling that void. So... Um, my, my current spouse, her name is Jennifer. She, um, she did fill that void and, and allowed me to explore my, my trans self. Yeah. And that's really where the, where the void lie. So before you had been, you had been married before it didn't work. You mm -hmm. had been a serial dater. 
you were looking for something to fill that void. And then mm-hmm. once you found, you know, the right person for you, you realized that there was no filling that void. Yeah. Yeah. That it wasn't, you know, I think that, you know, I think it was many things. And I think that she, that her love allowed me to figure that out. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't have figured it out without it. So. Now, how long were you and your wife together before you started dressing and presenting as free? So probably. And so interestingly enough, I told her to what extent I knew of my transness back then. And, um, and, and it was very minor at the time. And uh, so I was probably, so we were married in 2010. So I was probably um, actively exploring, so to speak, um, my my female side um, two years into the marriage, three years into the marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, w- it wasn't long, maybe six months or so. It, w- it wasn't very long before I told her yeah. what I was doing. Now, and what did exploring mean to you? You hadn't yet seen a counselor, had any therapy. Were you attending support groups or was this just your time on the internet? Yeah, so it was it was time on the internet. And so when I identified back then, I clearly identified as a cross-dresser because mm-hmm. I thought that's what I was. And, um, and so kind of exploring into that was just, it was, it was clothing, it was makeup, it was, you know, it was at the house. I didn't want to go outside. I thought my neighbors would be looking out the windows, mm-hmm. which they weren't, of course, <laughs> but that's what I thought. And, um, and so I started uh, with that and it was just started this, pro- this process that, that's different for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So um, how long did it take you to get to where you are now? So that was that was probably seven years ago. Seven years yeah, ago. Yeah, so it was about seven years. Where you considered yourself a cross-dresser. Yeah. You thought maybe a little bi-gender. Yeah. Yeah. And now you are fully transitioned and living your best life. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So at what point did you start going beyond just dressing part-time on the weekends? At what point did you start exploring hormone therapy, therapy? So... um I started seeing a therapist, um, I want to say, it was shortly thereafter. It's probably 2013 I started seeing a therapist. And, mm-hmm. and she had um, experience with, with gender. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I saw her, I saw her for probably five or six years before I changed to a, a different one, um, who I'm still seeing today. So it's, it's been... Um, it's been seven, eight years, not even so, or six years, something like that. Um, so what I think I, you know, it, you, you, you move forward, you, you think that this is good. You know, like I, I can remember the, the inner peace that I would get after the weekends that I would go out and I would just feel, you know, and that would carry me through, I don't know, half the week, maybe, mm-hmm. the, you know, going back to be the man on Monday. Um, and then, then it didn't do that anymore. I had, yeah. I had, I needed more. I felt like I needed more. And, um, so you were dressing kind of every other weekend and then it yeah. became every weekend. Yeah. Monday morning went from being survivable to yeah. just unpleasant to, yeah, definitely. Monday was tough. Yeah. It was tough. So, um, yeah. 
So for you, you started after you came out to your to your wife. Mm-hmm. You started seeing a therapist. Mm-hmm. And did your wife do therapy as well? How did she travel with you on this journey? So she did. She she had an she had a therapist for years. Mm-hmm. Um and that therapist um helped her yeah. through this. Um really it was at her urging. It was at my wife's urging to to go go to therapy and I told her I didn't need it, of course. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, because I can fix myself. Yeah. You know, as this is what I always thought. And um and so I, I reluctantly mm-hmm. went and you know, and I'm still going today. <laughs> now when you you started seeing your therapist, what did they prescribe for you? Did they suggest that you find some support groups and start intermingling with other people who identified as trans? So at, at that point I I at that point I was going to a to a um a social group. A social group. So, you know, we would meet, we'd talk a little bit and then we'd go out. Mm-hmm. Go out to some club or we'd go out to um um wherever bowling or whatever whatever we would do um we would go out and that's how i started yeah so and that was a lot of fun well and i think you know a support group doesn't need to be everybody sitting around right. talking about their feelings support right. it was is just, a support group. Yeah. you you're just like me you're my yeah. friend and yeah let's go socialize and have a good time yeah yeah, yeah. so i mean yeah mm-hmm. it was all support group <laughs> And today you're one of the event organizers for First Event, and yes. you're celebrating your 40th anniversary. First Event is yes. Yeah, and we're definitely going to talk about that on a future podcast. I'm so excited to hear about all the changes because you're moving to downtown mm-hmm. Boston this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what made you uh, want to get involved with First Event? So I wanted to give back in a in a large in a in a larger way than I was able to give back, go into groups and share in my experience. Um, and, um, so first event went through a change of administration last year. And one of my close friends, um, is the chair as was asked to be the chair. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I said that I'm there to help. And so I became, um, the co-chair of administration. So what's it like for you? You're becoming you know, a leader, really. You've gone from just being somebody who shares their story one-on-one in a support group to leading a major conference. I mean, this has been around for 40 years it and has. has touched countless of thousands of people's lives. It has. It yeah. has. It's, it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really, really nice to be able to get back in that way. If somebody would like to, and we're going to talk about first event on another mm-hmm. podcast, but if somebody else would like to give back, is there an opportunity for them to do so to volunteer with the event? So there is. Um, y- you can volunteer for for shifts. There are different things that we um, need volunteers for. Um, for the closet, which is a thrift store mm-hmm. um, that we have, the pop up thrift store as we call it, the new new terminology. Yeah. Um, which for people listening was. Tiffany's closet. It was Tiffany's yeah. closet. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so the, the, um, parent organization of first event was Tiffany club for many, many, many years. And last year, um, we changed it to trans club of new England, still the same initials, slightly different name. Yeah. So, yeah. So there are opportunities to volunteer at the conference. There are plenty of opportunities we have. Um, uh, so check with the website mm-hmm. that will have, um, instructions on how you can volunteer. So I definitely, we're going to hit this on a whole other podcast, but mm-hmm. you know, my first experience really delving deep into the trans community was at the Keystone Conference. Mm-hmm. And I feel like 
going to a conference is an incredible way for somebody who may be nervous to leave their home or they haven't found their support group or social group or mm -hmm. they have maybe not have found a counselor yet. It's a good way to take that step forward. In their I think journey. it's the best way. Yeah. You're among like-minded people. Um, it's a, you know, for lack of a better word, I call it a, a safe space, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but nothing's really safe these days. So it's a safer space. And, um, and I have had a phenomenal time and I've met Friends that I'm still friends with today at these conferences. Keystone's one of my favorites. Yeah. And I talk about Keystone a lot. I, you know, I do first event, I do Keystone, I did some others, but mm -hmm. Keystone's in my neck of the woods. Yeah. Like 40 minutes yeah. from my house. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. I love it because I get to go participate with the conference and then I get to go home and, and have dinner with my family yeah. at night. That's awesome. Um, so when we first met, we met at Keystone two years ago. Two years ago, yeah. And uh, what you had shared with me was you you were fairly fresh in your transition mm -hmm. to Brie at that point mm -hmm. because three years ago, you still were not full-time. That's right. That's yeah. right. Uh, so what was it like three years ago, you know, going to Keystone and then coming back home and not being able to be Brie 100% of the time? So that was, that was the defining moment. That was when I knew I couldn't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. um, the ride home, so we, so we, um, that was when we rode down in a van, we actually rented a van, a and bunch of us. who's we? So, so it was, uh, there was a, I think it was a half dozen of us in a, in a, like a passenger van. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so. Uh, and did your wife join you? She did. Yep. She did. She was in the van. And, and um, so it's a, from here, it's a six hour drive, as I'm sure you're aware. It's seven for me, <laughs> but I stop a lot. <laughs> and uh, yeah. so, I mean, in some ways that was even more. You know, the just telling the stories and the everybody got to tell the their story. Yeah, it was really, really, really neat. So it was a, it was a bunch of us. In fact, the chair for first event was on that in that van as well. Really? Yeah, yeah. So we and she has a long history um, in the trans community. Um, so uh, that was so on the way home. I drove on the way home and I really didn't talk to anybody because I knew it was coming. Uh, I knew Monday was coming where I'd have to be the man on Monday again. Yeah, and that was harder that year than it ever was. Why do you think it was harder that year? I don't know. I, I it's hard to say. I, I, I think because I then I realized what the answer was for me. Yeah. yeah. But you know, so your your wife is with you on this trip. Yeah. So is she seeing this change in you? You know, the happiness as you're going down she and then the quiet as you're driving. She back. is. And I think for her, this was transformative for her as well. And this goes into a lot of um, a lot of different they have a really great wives group or uh, significant other group yeah. at Keystone. Great. And so she went to a lot of the seminars for significant others. She actually saw successful marriages post-transition. And that for her was was key. Yeah. And um, it really, really helped her to, to get her head around, hey, this can work for us. There are definitely spouse success stories. I mean, so many of my clients that I have photographed over the years, I, I've watched their transitions from when I would first photograph them, they would be so nervous just mm -hmm. to be in front of the camera. Yeah. And then a couple years would go by and I could, I watched them kind of like butterfly, like bloom yeah. like a butterfly, you know, they, yeah. they would, they started to glow and find who they were and their look and their dress. And then another year would go by and they'd say, well, I think my spouse might come. And it's whenever I see the spouse come, mm -hmm. it's like 
the light switch flips Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden it's like you're in my world now our worlds can merge and it's it's just joy yeah and i think for for people who are in a relationship i think it's it's difficult because you know that holds you back in the sense that not in a bad way i mean it holds you back because you don't you don't want to you don't want to lose your spouse yeah and it's a big deal for me who would? Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, marriage is hard enough as it is. Yeah. You know, they say 50% of marriages end in divorce mm-hmm. anyway. And, you know, we go through life where people have changes. You know, they pe- there's deaths in the family, changes of jobs, changes of finances, changes of mm-hmm. location and circumstances. I mean, all these are difficult things to overcome. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let alone, I'm sure there's a lot of struggle with transitioning in a feeling of, Am I am I selfish? Is there something right. wrong with me? Like that it's I am. It's a huge deal. Yeah. 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 It's a very it's a very big deal. And you you know, you ask anybody who's been in a long term marriage, they'll tell you it's the hardest thing they've ever done, but it was worth every minute. So you're coming back from Keystone three mm-hmm. years ago, and you're quiet in the van, which is uncharacteristic for me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so what happens? What, like, how does that conversation happen with your wife? So we get home and she, um, you know, we just, she can just tell that, that something. Something's changed. Yeah. Something's like, I'm having a hard time. And she turns to me and says to me, it's okay. You can do what you need to do to be who you need to be. Wow. So, and that, and so I apologized to her for, for not being the person she thought she married. And she said, you're exactly the person I married. And so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so wow. that was my signal to go ahead. So interestingly enough, that was for me, my transition was, my transition started with surgery, really. Because I, a year before I had had facial surgery, because I had, um, I had a lot of um, what happens to some people, and it's genetic, um, facial wasting from from fat going away from my face. Yes, so, I've learned that that's what's happening to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it happens as you age, and it happens yeah. to some more than others. And for mm-hmm. me, um, I thought that it was a huge deal for me, um, and how I felt when I looked in the mirror, because all I could see was. You know, a guy with a guy with a wig on, let's say, even with makeup on, even with plenty of makeup. So I had surgery first before hormones. Really? Yeah. So I had surgery, and you well, know, but what's what specific surgery? Just facial surgery? Yeah. So I had. What right. did you have done to right. the face? Exactly. Yeah. So I had, um, I, I had facial fat injection, brow lift, you know, stuff that I needed anyway because you know I just was aging. Yeah. And um, and that helped me immensely with. Mm-hmm you know, with my presentation, with how I saw myself in the mirror. Wow. And that was, that was key for me. So you started with surgery, which is interesting. That's not yeah, something that I, I often did. hear. Yeah, I started with surgery. Yeah. Because I wanted, for me, and so at the time, I identified as bi-gender. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, you know, this is going to be an improvement for both. Mm-hmm. And it was an improvement for both. Um, but I, when I talked to the surgeon, 
you know, I, when it's talking about certain things, of course, because I studied the face to the nth degree being an engineer, I wanted to know the measurements, right? What oh my the, goodness, yeah. What are the measurements? <laughs> I could you only know? imagine so, having been your doctor. Oh my God. So, <laughs> so he loved it because he says, you know, usually I deal with people with their emotions and you came in here with like, with like ratios and percentages. Like and, what are the stats? Yeah. yeah. And so, mm-hmm. and I said, this is exactly what I need to do, you know, and I told him and he says, so it was kind of refreshing. And he says, you know, if you do some of that, it, it's going to make you look a little feminine. And I said, well, that's not, that's not a big deal. That's okay. So you hadn't even told your yeah, my, surgeon. Yeah, my surgeon was, yeah, my so my surgeon, and he said, all right, well, I'll do what you want to do. Did you, did you inside want to be like, you could make me look a little extra feminine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I see, I knew, I knew what I needed to do to look extra feminine. So, yeah. so I, I asked him to do that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and he, and he did a very good job. It's funny. So another part of this um, of our podcasting is I have a a client who owns a med spa, mm-hmm. and she's the one I you know I started talking to her. I'm like, why am I seeing all these extra bags? And she's oh, like, You're boy. A, yeah. And um, what's so interesting to me is so many things that you probably needed to see a plastic surgeon for right. ten years ago. Right. You can now have done at a spa. That's right. Yeah. 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 And getting like at younger and younger and younger ages. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I didn't think I would be hitting that till my 60s. I wasn't <laughs> expecting to hear it in my 30s. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So That's you funny. so you started with surgery. Um, you, your wife after Keystone mm-hmm. three years ago was like, you need to do what you need to do. Yeah. You'd already had surgery, facial surgery at that I point. Did. What was the next step? Hormones. Hormones. Yeah, it was hormones. Mm-hmm. That was the next step. Sure. And was the therapist that you were with capable of helping you with that? Uh, I had to go to, um, she, she was a, um, um, counselor. She was just okay. a counselor. Just a counselor. Yeah. yeah. So you needed somebody who would be a little bit more specialized to help you through a transition. Yeah. So I went to, I actually went to Fenway health, which is a, which is a health center in Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, that specializes in it's a community health center so they there it's healthcare for everybody but they have uh, a trans program so that's amazing so is that something you would recommend to people in the area absolutely fenway health is the best okay fantastic best. any resources that we can share with anyone on it's the show please trans affirming care yeah. for transgender people so you started your hormone therapy I did. And now uh, we haven't talked about this on the show yet, but you had already come out to your daughter or your daughter actually kind of, she already knew. Yeah. 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 So she, she caught, caught me, so to speak, you know? Yeah. So, so it, she was, she was, so she, she lived with her mother most of the time. She saw me on the weekends. So it was late night. She came downstairs when I thought she was sleeping she was 14 at the time. Um, and I look up and she's standing there in front of me and I said, you know, what are you doing up? Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, well, I feel a little sick to my stomach. And, and my response to her is, well, you feel a little sicker now, don't you? And so I said, let me get changed. Let me get changed. So I went in, I got changed. And so I, what were you wearing? Like paint the picture for me. So I, I was wearing, I was wearing uh, a wig. I was wearing, um, I think I was wearing tights and I had a, a skirt on and a, and a blouse of some sort. I vaguely remember that, mm-hmm. that outfit. Um, and, um, but there was no mistaking it was you. Like she knew yeah, this is yeah, dad I, coming yeah, I downstairs. Think she might've, she might've been like, who the heck is this person? You know? And then realized, you know, mm-hmm. 
who it was when, when I looked up, of course. Yeah. So she wasn't feeling well. You said, let me go change. You yeah. changed, came back. And, and the minute I walk out of the bathroom after changing, she says, it doesn't bother me. Wow. So I was, I was blown away. I'm like, how even did this happen? You know? Wow. 14 years old. Wow. Didn't bother her. Which, which I learned later through, I think part of her saying that was just to make me feel good. Because it, it clearly bothered her in the sense that when I, when I tried to talk about it afterwards, she was uncomfortable. But not, you know, she wasn't like, I absolutely don't want to talk about that. She was, she was, it was clear that she was uncomfortable. So, which, well, and how do you, is, how do you even yeah, understand that when yeah, you're 14 years exactly, old? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I had to, you know, and I, I basically, I explained it the best I knew it at that time to her. Yeah. So uh, today, uh, what is your relationship like? It's fantastic. So we, um, and she's 20, 20 years old now. She's 20 years old now. Mm-hmm. Yep. She's in college and she, uh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. So. And you guys just did a photo shoot yesterday together. We did, yeah, yeah. yeah. So she's in she's in the photography program at Mass Art. So, as she told me explicitly yesterday, it's fine art. It's not selfies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's pretty funny when she said that. I really, mm-hmm. really enjoyed that from her. Mm-hmm. How do you feel like your connection is with her? It's like great. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. It's. It's kind of funny. So we're having a conversation about how she identifies. And um, because she wears, she presents differently. So she identifies as as female, but mm-hmm. but she presents, she wears a lot of skater clothes because she's a skater girl. She wears, uh, you know, I said to her, you know, she's in Boston. I said, can I get you a jacket that's warm, you know, for when you're walking? And she's, yeah. I said, all right, so what size? She says a medium, which is much bigger than she is. She says, but I like men's coats. And I'm like, are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, like, really, Marina? Come on. So, so, but whatever. You're the trailblazer for her though. You're making it okay for her to explore this and have these conversations. That's right. So it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I I remember asking her a few years ago, I said, look, I have to go to a, um, I have to go to a cocktail party and the, the, it's for this, you know, what should I wear? And she's like, she's like, I wear high-waisted men's jeans from the eighties. Like, you don't want to ask me. I'm like, Oh my God, are you kidding me? I'm like, come on. So, so that was the end of that. So no fashion advice from her. Yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) So it was funny. All right. So, and right now we are sitting in your office. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So my employer, um, um, has been very accommodating. And this is somebody you've known for a long time. Long time, yeah. yeah. So I, I worked for him um, at a different engineering company um, 20 years ago. I've known him for 20 years. So um, he's very familiar with me. He um, he hired me at this company. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, some other things that I was doing in between, but um, in about a year, so I guess it's probably two years ago now, just over two years ago, I, I went into the office and closed the door and had the discussion with him about Bree. And did he see this coming at all? Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. And so... Um, you close that door, he's thinking, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah you're going leaving. Going a new job. Yeah. 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 <laughs> or Some, asking for a pay you yeah. 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 Or asking for a raise or something. Mm-hmm. It's always bad usually yeah. when the door is closed, you know? <laughs> yeah. And um, 
So you sit down. So it's funny too because I've learned to watch for people's how people wear their emotions in their face, like very closely, you know, because I want to, I want to know how I'm being received. And, um, and he did not bat an eye. He didn't, it did not matter to him, you know, in the sense that like, I thought it was going to matter. It was a mm -hmm. non-event. It was literally a non-event. And that happened so many times to me, you know, telling, where you you've, know, you've built it all up in your head. I built it all up in my head. It was, you know, and I went around, so I'm in an office of about 20 people, 18 to 20 people. And I went around to each person individually and had the discussion with them uh, to tell them. Obviously, if it's a bigger company, then, you know, my, my best friend, Julia, she works in a company of about 100. She couldn't do that. Yeah. She had to do an email. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I was, I had the luxury of going around and saying, hey, this is who I really am. And I'm so how did that look? Were you still presenting as a man and you're sitting down saying this is coming? Right. Okay. Right. So at, at this point, I'd already had my facial surgery. And so, you know, some people, when I had said to them, told them about this, like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like we've seen something happen. Because they see something happen. You know, yeah. it's, it's, usually, it's usually the women who see that because mm -hmm. they, they notice and they're like. Well, they're paying attention. Yeah. 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 They're paying attention. So, um, and I work with mostly men. Um, there's, it's probably 80% in this office men. So. Mm-hmm. So, um, and how did you explain it to your coworkers? So I basically just told them exactly the way that I've experienced it. You know, this has been something that, you know, I've known since I've been 10. Mm -hmm. Um, I've felt it since I've been 10. I've had to pull it apart in my head over the years. I've went through years of counseling and, um, you know, I thought I could wait, but I can't wait. You thought you could wait for, for retirement, for retirement, yeah, retirement. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, um, I think what you had shared with me is you actually used visual aids for this. Yeah, so I'm still amazed at photos of people before and after. It yeah. still amazes me to the nth degree, you know, and it just blows me away. So I emphatically wanted them to look at photos. So I had selected four photos. Oh, please tell me one of them was mine. I can't remember. <laughs> no, 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 it was before that. Oh, it was, it was before yeah, that. Yeah. Was oh, before yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was before that. Yep. So okay. I selected two photos of, of my wife and I, mm -hmm. and then two photos of me that were particularly, they were the best photos I had, of course. Mm -hmm. And nine, nine times out of 10, I got, oh, wow. And, like, <laughs> yeah. and so, and I got, you know, one of my coworkers who's no longer here said, so, so what's your name? And I said, so I said, Bree. And, and he says, good. I got to make sure I don't, I don't talk to any breeze, blonde breeze at a bar from any oh time in the God. near future. Cause he's like, you're, you're really attractive. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, you have to know the person. It was classic coming through him. So yeah, yeah no. Was. So my dad, uh, personal story. Uh, my family was always involved with me at Keystone. Like my mom assisted me for years. The first year, my dad and my husband both came up. They're both very attractive men, and they, you know, helped lugging the equipment and That's the backdrops. Funny. After the first year, I didn't allow them to come back because yeah. they just traffic jammed. Everybody wanted to go talk to my dad and my husband <laughs> and flirt with them. It was awful. That's so funny. Yeah, I was like, I, I can see it. Yeah, I'm like, I need to take pictures, guys. Like, stop talking to them. Oh yeah. My God. So anyway, so. Um, you know, my, I remember my mom had, had prepped my dad and explained what he right. was walking into and they're walking through the Sheridan, the Keystone. And my dad looks at my mom and he goes, I'm, I'm confused. I thought you said this place sells out. Where are all the, where are all the men, where are all the trans people? And, and she said, every single person you see 
like we're we're passing them right now in the restaurant. Oh, yeah. But yeah, and he just he just went white and his jaw dropped. And my father built Harley Davidsons for over 30 years. That's like awesome. he is the the ultimate biker, you know. Um he wears more jewelry than any man or woman I've ever That's met. So and funny. like it's amazing. That's so funny. Um but you know, very masculine, total biker. And he just he just stopped in his tracks. And he is my stepdad, so they had not been together forever. Mm-hmm. And he looked at my mom and he's like, oh my God, I now realize that I have hit on a lot of trans people in bars. <laughs> <laughs> Probably yeah. so. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. He's like, I've only ever seen like women this beautiful. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yep. He, yeah he got it. He got it. That's so, funny. That's yeah. funny. So, yes, <laughs> I can totally see that's so funny that your um, coworker would have said that. Yeah. So no no blonde breeze in bars. Yeah. So the import- the importance of that is I think I don't I didn't want them to run away from that conversation with this thing going around in their head, you know, because every single person in this office had no experience with trans people, at least yeah. that they knew of prior to me. Yeah. So I didn't want them to think, oh. Oh, that's going to be great, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, trying to figure it out and like self-educate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, and I would always finish with, if you have any questions, ask me. Of course, nobody did. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think they feel like they're going to offend me or something, you know? And, and there are always the offensive questions, but, you know, I'm not easily offended, so. Yeah. Does it help to kind of have a thicker skin just to know this question's coming or... Like, what would be an offensive question? Well, you know, I mean, when you talk about, you know, when you start talking about surgeries and people want to know, you know, and, and no, nobody has gone there, but I have heard that some people go there. Yeah. You know, so you're going to get the, the surgery. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, you know, nobody has, has, you know. Yeah. Nobody has said so that. Do stuff you, like that. Maybe so. just there's like a little bit of a curiosity there. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Of yeah. Course. I yeah, understand but, that. Yeah. Yeah. So what is it like now? So that was close to three years ago. That was actually two years ago. Is it two years ago? Two yeah. years ago. Yeah, two years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm coming up on on two years of, of full time. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and when you know, I literally did not realize how recent that had been. Mm-hmm. I have I assumed you transitioned 10, 20 years ago. That you just magically knew this when you were young and no, yeah. no, I I thought I wasn't trans enough back then. Wow. You know, seriously. It happens to a lot of people, I'm told. My my counselor said that she said it's tons of people. And she she so my counselor now exclusively counsels trans people. So wow. yeah, she's she's very good. And in fact I travel I travel an hour and fifteen minutes to get to her because she's that good. Wow. So um so she's um she says that it's so common that you that people feel they're not trans enough to transition. You know, it's interesting to me because I just read an article and I mentioned to you earlier that there was an entire article about what is trans enough. Yeah. And does that really like what what test do I take to qualify yeah. Yeah. so that I can live the life I want to live? And the thing that I really loved um, as an explanation that this person was writing was there are so many people who identify just in what they want. Like I am an aspiring artist or an aspiring athlete mm-hmm. or, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an aspiring writer, like whatever, like they're not even there yet. They're not a professional athlete that can't play an instrument, but they aspire to be that. Mm-hmm. And nobody ever says anything when it's, you know, you're identifying as what you wish to be. Mm-hmm. So what does it really matter if you qualify on a certain level of some somebody's random scale and what is trans enough versus this is what I want. 
Yeah, just, I mean, yeah. for me, it was, I wasn't trans enough for me. Yeah. You know, because- And what is trans enough for you? Because I, I, I felt at the time like that I didn't experience dysphoria, mm-hmm. right? This is what I felt. And that, you know, I, I just felt like I was, I was thought I was reasonably happy, you know, until I wasn't, Yeah. you know, and, and for me, dysphoria man- manifested itself in different ways. Cause I got really, really good at telling myself I'm okay when I wasn't okay, you know, and that, that, um, that's really what did me in. So I realized I had dysphoria when I didn't have it. So, my, so once you had moved through that, you look yeah, back and I you're like, like, wow. Oh, I'm not supposed to feel that way. I felt that way my whole life. It's like, it's like Julia explains it. So you, when you're born, you have this fan in the back of your head that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's running. And it just runs the whole time. And, and it's just back there all the time. And then when you transition, the fan gets turned off. And you're like, whoa. There's so no more wind moving. There's, there's no, no more, more background yeah, noise. Yeah, yeah. Or, or in, in today's today's uh, society, you can. It's like a, a. It's like an app running in the background. That's dysphoria. Yeah. It's taking your energy away, and then you you know there there were times even not not so much recently, but the whole first year of my transition when I'd be driving home from work, and I'd think. Think about how I'm presenting that I'm breathing. And I'm who, who I need to be. And I'd be like, I can't believe this. I can't believe I'm doing this, you know, because this is great. You know, the, the, for the first day, my first day transition, I, I was driving home and I'm like thinking to myself, it's like Sunday or something. And I'm like, oh, I got to go back to work tomorrow and, and be and be Brian again. And I'm like, no, I don't. I'm like, I get to do this all the time now. Oh, this my god, so great. I'm like thinking to myself that like I'm going to have to go back. You know, there was no going back because. I had gotten rid of all my stuff. So when I when I finish work on Friday, so. I love that. I've literally yeah. never heard the analogy of it's like an app running in the background. Taking silently, your energy away. Taking your energy, yeah. It, that is exactly what it is. That's dysphoria. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like. And for some people, it's it's terrible. I mean, it's there. You know what it is. It's, it's there. It's, you know. I didn't experience it that way. I experienced it as, oh, it's not there. And now I can't believe this is how people feel. Yeah. You know, this is how people are supposed to feel. I feel like for anybody, there are so many obstacles that we have in life. Maybe we have toxic family members or we're in a bad work environment or bad relationship, like whatever the the issues may be. And whenever I I talk to people and and you, you get so bogged down by that one issue. It is. And when you, you. when you walk away from it, it's like your life blossoms. It's like, Oh my gosh, look at, look at all the extra time and energy and life that I have to go living because I'm not concerned about this one horrible thing. It's it's so huge. That whole, and, one of the things I noticed um, when I transitioned is the duality. When the duality was gone, when when I didn't have to do Brie here and Brian here, yeah, having that duality be gone, it, it just it occupies so much time. Even though, even though, and of course, you know, at some point, you know, hey, this date's coming, you know. Mm-hmm. But even for my wife, she said it's so good to have the duality gone. Yeah, you know, there there were times near the end where. I would come in from work and she would expect to see Brie and she'd see Brian because because I had spent all of my time outside of work as as Brie. Mm-hmm. And so and she told me this. She said, oh, I expected to see Brie. 
And I'm like, that's pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I have a client who lives with a duality right now and is engaged, and the fiance is very accepting and, and loving um, of everything. And she has said to me that when she sometimes she'll be presenting as her male self, mm-hmm. and her fiance will be like, I can't deal with you right now. Can you just go put on a skirt? Like, I need that personality to be around us right now. Like, it's yeah. interesting. That's yeah. interesting. For, for interestingly enough, I think I've seen that in a lot of people. I didn't have a whole lot of difference between um, my personality as Brian and my personality as Bree. Um, there's a little bit difference. And of course, I've, you know, I worked very hard in my life to not, I, I feel like that since I've been trans my whole life, since I'm born in the wrong body, that I've done a lot to suppress things that were natural to me, that I felt like were natural to me because they weren't masculine. You know, so when I transitioned, I feel like a lot of what I've had to do is undo the damage that I've done as a guy to to try to fit in, you know, fit in with the men, to do the boy things, you know, to, uh, and I always hate, oh, I hated it. I hated it. And I knew I just didn't want to do it, but I got really good at faking it. So does this mean you're not going to build any more motorcycles? No, that's nothing to do with it. In fact, I did that. I did that after transition, so. (laughs) Um, So it's, I feel like, you know, that that is just, my natural propensity was this, and maybe it's not, maybe this is all, it's all a construct in my head, but it feels that way. Yeah. You know, like I I just, all I had to do was undo the damage that I've done and I could just naturally be myself. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, um, there's one thing that I do like to ask at the end of every one of these podcasts, and it's. If there is one thing that you wish somebody had told you, if there was one piece of advice that you have to offer to our listeners, what would it be? I, I want to say don't, don't, don't listen to your self-talk because I found that my self-talk was much more critical than what the reality was. Really? Yeah. So telling myself, um, how am I going to get before... A municipal board and present a project they're all going to be looking at me and saying what the hell is this you know and and that did not happen it didn't happen not one bit in fact it's been just the opposite you know i'm getting treated a little bit differently as a female engineer and not all of it's good but i love it all <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean not all of it's not all of it's uh for good for a good reason but um yeah. but it's okay so, so my worst enemy was my self-talk, telling myself that I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. Yeah. When in actuality, I did. Yeah. So that's, you know, um, I think that, I find that when I talk to people, that seems to be true for, you know, I've had more non-events that I thought were gonna be a big deal that turned out to being a non-event. You know, like yeah. like coming out at work, and that's not the story for everybody. But for me, like it was, your daughter catching you, yeah, yeah, it was a non-event. It was she's just like, oh, it doesn't bother me. You just built, and that's probably this was your fan or your app running in the background was yeah. all the fear and all the buildup of something major is going to happen, and it just same thing when I came out to my father. Really, same thing. It was an absolute non-event. I told him the whole thing in tears, and I thought, you know, and he was a big barrier because I didn't want to let him down. Wow, and, you know, and and he just said. 
how come you waited to tell me last? I told I told all my aunts first. I said, oh, I'm, really? I'm going to need your help for support, you know, because he's mm-hmm. going to need to talk to people. And my mother, my mother had Ativan ready for him and everything, you know. Thinking, like, <laughs> like, seriously, went to his doctor and said, hey, this is what's going to happen, you know, because she knew before. And, um, and, uh, and he was like, the easy, he's like, he's like, it sounds like you've really worked this through and, and I'm fine with it. Wow. I'm like, what the hell? And like, and I obsessed about that for like two years. Oh my God. And, and like. Imagine where you could be now if you could take those two years back. Exactly. You never know. People, people surprise you. Yeah. People surprise you. Yeah. That's amazing. And your relationship with your parents now? Excellent. They still call me Brian sometimes, but they have that right. They did it for like 50 years. Yeah. They, they've got a long track record. Yeah. Yeah. But they correct themselves. That's good. Yeah, they do. They're not saying it in a malicious way. No, 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 no. It's just that habit way. And, um. And when they send me the when they send me birthday cards and they send me anniversary cards, it's always Brie and it's always her. Oh. Yeah, that's so huge. Well, I'm so happy that you came on to share this because you are living the dream. I it, mean, there is there's no doubt. I mean, it you really just, is. You're glowing and you've done this so beautifully. You did it your in your own way, in a to me what seems like a miraculous timeline. I had no idea that it's you know was was such a short span for mm-hmm. you to be to this far and this happy and living your best life with your spouse and your child and your parents and your coworkers. Mm-hmm. This, congratulations on thank you living a successful amazing life. Thank you. It's yeah. it really is great. It really is great. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. And if you don't mind, I'd love to have you back again to talk about first event and all the exciting things we have coming up. So thank you so much. And you will hear from us again soon on My Feminine Heart. 